You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here. Marcus Parks is busy doing all of the work, so I'm joined by my man, Travis Morningstar. Thanks for being here, Travis. Hello, yes, you've got a coffee. I am doing something a bit unorthodox. I'm smelling a candle. It's scented. What kind of what it's, kind of scent is that? The scent is uh, the spirit of good luck. Well, that's not a scent there. That's an emotional sentiment. Um, okay. Well, uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. I was on HLN today across America with Carol Costello, and uh, it was an interesting conversation, basically discussing what the Republican strategy is going to be going into the midterm elections. They're going to try to paint the uh, left, the Democratic Party specifically, as unhinged. Which is uh, an ultimate irony, of course, because I think everyone is just kind of reacting to Donald Trump. It's all a mirror of this administration and Trump supporters. People are going a little bit crazier than usual. But at the same time, as I pointed out on the show, there are a lot of reasons to be upset. Uh, There's also some reasons to be happy, which we'll get into uh, coming up here. Of course, we had some big wins. The Democratic Party had some big wins, specifically here in New York City. A Democratic Socialist was able to unseat a 10-term congressman. She won the primary. We're going to get into that here in a little while. But when it comes to the Republican strategy against the Democrats in the midterms, I do think it's pretty hilarious that they're going to go with the Democrats are crazy as opposed to the very obvious realization that Donald Trump is the one who is often coming across as more unhinged than, than a squeaky door. Wow, I'm on fire. Nice. Thank you so much. So as I pointed out on the show with Carol Costello, if you look at the First Amendment erosion, right, with the with the uh, kneeling football players, I can't believe they're kneeling. Unbelievable. We just had another police shooting today. That puts it at about 505 for the year. Fatal police shootings last year. I think we had around 930, uh, 985. So I think we're on record to match or do better. So they said we couldn't do it. And look at that. We did. If you take into account what's happening on the border, 2,400 kids still left, uh, still there, in cages, uh, captured. Evidently, they are allowed to leave if they just walk out because technically it's a shelter, not a jail. 
So you could just leave, and they are not allowed to physically detain the children, but then what they do with the detention centers is they call um, enforcement, law enforcement, and uh, unless the kid gets away, theoretically they're kind of brought right back there by law enforcement. A very strange, strange situation to say the least. Nonetheless, there is no plan to get those kids reunited with their parents. And as we talked about on the last episode, whenever Donald Trump goes and meets with a foreign dictator, this is what I mentioned on HLN last week, he comes back with their worst ideas. Whenever Donald Trump meets with a foreign dictator, he comes back with their worst ideas like he did with Duterte in the Philippines. Remember when he went over there, Travis? Yes. He came back with the idea of the death penalty for drug dealers. And, of course, then he went over and met with Kim Jong-un or Jong-un, whatever you want, and he came back with the idea of indefinite detention for individuals who cross our border. Illegally. I had an ex-girlfriend who went to the Philippines, and she brought me back a very colorful T-shirt. That would be really fucked up if she brought back the idea of killing uh, drug, dealers. drug dealers. Right. We do have to be careful, though. I do want to put a little warning out there for everyone who likes to dabble in the world of cocaine. We've all seen the movie Blow, which I reference far too much. It being relatively uh, a relatively obscure film, but I, I did I did like it growing up. It was fine. I thought it was a good movie. Johnny Depp was pretty cool. <laughs> you know um and the, what was the name of the bigger guy there it was uh, he uh, sea otter was the name of henry's character in wolf of wall street but it was supposed to be that other guy who was uh, who was supposed to kind of claim that second tier cast as you know he was supposed to lead it but then he didn't he's from freaks and geeks great actor love the guy big guy big guy he was i think his name was tuna in blow <laughs> something like that perhaps nonetheless be very careful because they are cutting cocaine now with fentanyl. I was just talking to a buddy of mine who is uh, dating a DA. She prosecutes a lot of drug crimes here in New York City. And evidently, fentanyl is the new cut drug of choice when it comes to cocaine. And you got to be very, very careful because fentanyl will mess you up big time. So if you are going to be dabbling, dabbling in that, it's hard to, it's hard to be like, can you, can you trust but verify? Because who the hell knows where you're going to get this stuff from? So I would say right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, maybe stay away from it because this fentanyl stuff is very serious. They're also evidently marking fentanyl pills with the Molly logo, which is kind of strange. What is uh, the Molly logo? I don't know. They're logoed. I, I really don't know what the Molly logo is. Um, but evidently they have like brands. I don't know if it's like a Nike swoosh or like the Adidas stripes. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a picture of like somebody's face with, with huge bugged out eyes just being like, I thought you were, I thought you told me to take the whole thing. And then someone's like, I was just joking. I thought you understood I was being sarcastic. That's a personal story of mine. Wayno the Tuna from Blow. Wayno the Tuna. Yeah. Ethan, I loved Su- Ethan Supley, the, the He's actor. He's great. Yeah. So Donald Trump, uh, again, going back to this Republican narrative that they're going to try to be putting forward here in the midterms, there is a reason to be upset. Those are just two of the many. Of course, we also have the situation involving the tariffs now. Harley-Davidson, they were here. They were building in the United States. And evidently, they are going to go overseas because of the steel and aluminum tariffs, which are going to completely devastate the industries that Donald John Trump promised to help. It's one of the ultimate ironies of this anti-fair trade or free trade president. Now we have Harley Davidson going overseas, despite the fact that that was bragged about at nauseum by Donald Trump. And he has said 
that he is he's angry with Harley Davidson. He has said that he's going to tax them, and he has said after after I was so nice to you, after I was so nice to you, you go and you leave because I've done everything so is much emotional for you. And then this. Wow, look at that! I've done so much for you, and now this. I can't believe it. Everything is just so hyper emotional, <laughs> and Harley Davidson is like, this is about money, which is all we're talking about when it comes to the problems with steel and aluminum tariffs. Does Trump think he's best friends with a motorcycle? I think that he wants to be. I, like when, we remember, when, when he was in the truck, I do think he had a bonding <laughs> moment with that truck. This truck is my friend. I, yes, I think that he sees things like that, and the truck <laughs> is very loyal. Of course, loyalty being the number one thing in the mind of Donald Trump. We also have a couple of Supreme Court decisions that came down. One that is uh, it's a big blow to the unions. Of course, teachers, in my opinion, the teachers union, this is what happened in Wisconsin. And I, and I understand there are there's a lot of corruption in unions. We all understand uh, that's the way uh, it's been for a long time. And perhaps restructuring the unions uh, isn't a horrible idea. But when it comes to certain protections, unions are absolutely needed. The Supreme Court in a five to four decision uh, basically said said that if you are not a if uh, an active member of a union you no longer have to pay dues to said union the, the unions argue without them negotiating your contracts without them negotiating overtime without them negotiating time off without them negotiating your salary the, you would not have near the protections or the money or the um, the lifestyle that you have. So the unions argue, hey, just because you don't want to pay dues, it really doesn't matter um, because we're giving you all of these things. And then folks on the other side say, we don't want to pay dues because I don't want to be a member of your union. However, they may still take full advantage of the benefits provided by said union. There is some issue, I totally understand that, with unions, as I just said. Five to four decision, conservative decision. This is happening more and more and more, and now we have a situation where we don't know if Kennedy is going to retire. Of course, he's the swing vote. Uh, really, one of the more important justices on the Supreme Court being that swing vote. Clarence Thomas might also retire. We don't know, which would, of course, really be a huge win for the Republican Party. You go back to Mitch McConnell not allowing Merrick Garland to be pushed through for a year. I mean, uh, Barack Obama didn't even get an up or down vote on this guy. And it turned out to be, obviously, it, people were pretty pissed, to, to say the least. But if you're Mitch McConnell, you've got to be pretty happy with your decision to not allow a vote for Merrick Garland, because most likely he would have gotten through. There was no um, glaring weaknesses with Merrick Garland. He's a relatively moderate person. But now, obviously, they got Neil Gorsuch up there. And these five to four decisions, I think we're going to continue to see more and more and more of those. We'll also talk about the travel ban, which was also upheld by the conservative Supreme Court. But going back to the unions, when it comes to teachers, you look at Wisconsin, man, they've been devastated, dude. These teachers are averaging 50,000 bucks a year, just a shade over 50,000 bucks a year. Uh, they got no supplies in their classrooms. They're buying things for, for the classroom that should all be provided by the school. They're the most maligned profession or one of the most maligned professions we have in this country. I firmly believe that is teachers. And the way that Scott Walker... The way that he uh, dismantled the teachers' unions in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, a big union state, is really uh, abhorrent and devastating to those people who are trying their best to educate our children to the best of their ability for the most part. So when it comes to unions, 
I look at teachers' unions, specifically in my home state of Wisconsin, and I say they're totally needed because we have teachers getting uh, railroaded by every every which way, whether it be parents upset that they're uh, giving their children a C because their children deserve a C, or whether it be them not getting any financial support from the institutions that uh, without them don't run at all. So I, I you know, the, the the Supreme Court decision. Uh, a, a bit broader than the master, uh, what is it, the masterpiece cake shop decision, which was uh, relatively narrow. That, of course, was the famous gay cake um, decision that was uh, that was levied out last week by the Supreme Court. I'm going to talk a little bit more in that context of what happened to Sarah Huckabee Sanders this, this weekend when she was ousted from a restaurant. But before we get to that, just finally here with the unions, when it comes to our teachers, they need to have much, much more protection, and that was one thing the unions did provide. So I think there is something to be said there for them. A federal judge, by the way, just going back briefly here to the detainment situation regarding the children, a federal judge on Tuesday ordered the Trump administration to reunite all kids and parents separated at the southern border within 30 days, and if the children are younger than five, Parent-child reunions must happen in the next 14 days. That's according to Judge Dana Sabrao out of San Diego. Uh, She is a San Diego federal judge. The ruling stemmed from the ACLU lawsuit on behalf of a Brazilian mother um, and a Congolese mom. This is according to Sabrao. Uh, Plaintiffs have demonstrated a a likelihood of success on the merits, irreparable harm, that the and that the balance of equities and the public interest weigh in their favor. And again, we still have around 2,400 kids detained on our southern border, and I don't see the Trump administration being able to reunite them with their parents. It's quite a difficult thing to do. And then, of course, with Donald Trump really taking a uh, very aggressive stance against said parents, charging all of them with with. Uh, criminally, uh, as opposed to what uh, what Obama did in previous presidents. We also had the situation this past week. I was in Los Angeles, so I kind of missed this. Evidently, Melania Trump, and, you know, I've always said uh, we don't malign anyone who isn't, like, directly. She didn't get elected. She didn't run for office. But she did make a crucial mistake, and I don't know exactly what she was trying to say, but she met with the children at the border last week. Did you see this, Travis? Yes. And she wore this jacket. And what did the jacket say? I don't care, do you? I believe yes. that's what it said. <laughs> I do not and care, do I you? I do not care, do you? Uh, the answer is yes. I don't know what the question is, but in context of going to visit children on the southern border, uh, kind of, you know, I would say yes uh, to that question. It was a strange style choice, and I don't know if it was a sort of a wink to that far-right, really anti-immigration and Coulter base that Donald Trump has cultivated throughout his political career, or if it was just a fashion faux pas, but I feel like it was probably intentional because she definitely takes care to dress in a certain way. She thinks about her wardrobe. Uh, to be fair, it, we didn't see underneath the jacket her sweater did say be best. Be best. That's perfect. So it does balance out. But that was just such a strange thing for her to, like, I don't even understand why well, uh, then, how that passed i don't know but nonetheless well, then her it is spokesperson what it is. said something like 
oh, it's it's just clothing. It's it, there's no message. There's no hidden meaning in the message on the jacket. Oh, it's just clothing. There is no subtext to the text on the back of this jacket. Honestly, there is no subtext. It's just the text. It's just the text. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even think that you, you don't have to delve don't, too deep. Yeah, and that's kind of a kiddie pool. We don't think it's a metaphor. No, anything. no. Uh, however, she did say, Melania did cha- say, she was touched uh, by what she saw at the border. She will be going back. And evidently, her and Ivanka are two of the main reasons why uh, Donald Trump signed the executive order banning child separation. Wow. Thank you. Yes. It's it's unfortunate we have to have an executive order to ban child separation. But that's exactly what had to happen. And I think uh, from a political calculation, it was the right decision for Donald Trump to make, which I would assume is really the only reason why he did it. Uh, Although he did say that he was troubled by seeing children ripped away from their parents he did say that that was troubling so perhaps uh, perhaps he did have some emotional reaction which is a uh, the only human reaction that someone can have when they hear the child when they hear the screams of children being torn away from their parents it's it should always be oh that's not good we'll have to stop doing that if you know can you imagine being the one who's like who would ever pulls who would ever push for such a policy and then you know what you listen to michael jackson's man in the mirror and you change your ways i'm reminded of the movie monsters inc where oh yeah the entire facility is powered by a children's screams that's right that's right and then the big blue i believe his name was blue uh, uh, or maybe that's the uh, I don't know what that maybe that's the Jungle Book. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the book. guy is blue, and I think it's played by John Goodman. <laughs> it is John Goodman. Why can't I think of his? And uh, that was that movie was very good. And at some point, I think they realized that they can also har- uh, harness the children's laughter. Is that how it ends? That's that was the yeah that was that's the, the end. conclusion right. The, I know a spoiler alert. Monsters Inc. came out what two thousand seven. They still Sully. Say- Sully is the name of Sully. The- so yeah, I think what what would yeah if we could sort of harness the laughter of sure. these migrant children, maybe we could even we could it'd be a win win. We could yeah. Uh, so you immig- want to open up a comedy solve, club on the southern border? Solve immigration and also a renewable a new renewable resource sure, sure. which is the laughter of children not to mention we need to start helping out these struggling comedians get them on the southern border have them yuck it up let's get a chuckle hut let's get a board. chuckle hut man travis they say we don't come up with any answers and look at that we just came up with an answer solves solved it solved the whole moving thing. on absolutely hey there ben kissel here for software advice we here at lpn run a small business and we love doing so What we don't love is the challenges that come with it. Luckily, we have a network of people to call when our websites get funky, microphones break, or we have travel issues on the road. Because having a trusted person on call is the best way to deal with a real head-scratcher of a problem. That's why I'm telling you about software advice. When it comes to picking the right software for your business, Software Advice has done all the research for you. Their team of advisors can point you in the right direction so you can start working more effectively right away. And it's my favorite price. It's absolutely free. Just go to softwareadvice.com slash Abe and answer a few short questions about your business. You'll be connected with an advisor to discuss the best software options for your needs. Talking to an advisor takes just 10 minutes or less. Whether you're a medical professional, a construction manager, an HR pro, you name it, Software Advice will save you time and help you make a more informed decision. And if you're an entrepreneur like me, or you work solo, Software Advice is a great way to get an expert opinion, even without the resources of a big company. 
If you run a small business like we do, you know having help in any way is just going to give you more time and resources to grow your business. These experts are ready to be your on-call go-to team to help you find out business software in minutes for free. Why wouldn't you start here? End the software struggle today. Go to softwareadvice.com slash Abe to get started. That's softwareadvice.com slash Abe to connect with an advisor for free. Softwareadvice.com slash Abe. We'll get into the election here in a second. I just want to have this one kind of kind of stupid little side story. But Dennis Rodman, he is he's always in the news. And I gotta say, man, Dennis, he is he's an emotional dude. He's always crying. Every interview, he just, you know, he's been through a lot. My brother knows him in the club scene of South Florida, the Miami club scene. Dennis Robin goes to a lot of the gay clubs and things like that. He's always been relatively open about his orientation. I think it's fluid. Yeah. Um, you know, he was back in the day when he was with the Bulls and when he was with the Pistons, he was actually really on the front lines of um, – uh, of trying to have people accept different cultures, different lifestyles. He was, you know, wearing the dress to marry himself, all that stuff. I always thought it was pretty awesome, and it definitely freaked out a lot of the squares. So he was doing some good work there. You didn't see a lot of six foot seven uh, basketball players wearing dresses and marrying themselves. Dare I say, you didn't see it a lot then, and I don't think we've seen it since. Dennis Rodman, the only one to do it. So he really doesn't get a lot of credit for that. He he was he was progressive. The closest thing we uh, have to that ways. is LeBron wearing the short pants. And, yeah, and LeBron's it, wearing short pants with the with the tie and the jacket. It's less progressive and more like a shout out to ACDC. But yeah, yeah, he's got a little Angus Young thing going on. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, not as progressive as Rodman, I guess. In that case, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, probably not quite as progressive, but a but a stance in its own right, a <laughs> uh, a bold position. I mean, I'm not going to judge someone. They're, they're more fashion forward than I am, but it does seem a little bit with the short, the tight shorts, kind of bringing that John Stockton vibe back. Dennis Rodman, he wants to bring Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, and James Dolan together. He wants them to go watch the New York Knicks play. And I just have to say, I'm a Knicks fan. They're horrible. If we're trying to avoid war with North Korea, the last thing we want to do is have him not entertained by people performing and playing the sport that he loves. He's going to nuke the whole place. We need to show the Harlem Globetrotters. Harlem Globetrotters, don't tell them it's fake. Don't tell them that. <laughs> and just be like, that's America's team. We all love the Harlem Globetrotters, and they're hitting four-point shots, which don't exist in the real game, but I'm pretty sure they do. In the version that the Harlem Globetrotters play, super dunks? Who doesn't love a super dunk? A lot of that kind of stuff. I think if Kim Jong-un sees a super dunk, he backs the fuck off. He shuts down Uh, the nuclear program. Yeah, absolutely. I went to see the uh, Harlem Globetrotters perform when I was a kid in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And I was just blown away. They are funny. They're, They're funny people. We should get and them down at the can, border. We get them down there. We should have these migrant children watch a Harlem Globetrotters hey man, performance. They, yeah. Laugh it up, and then suddenly, uh, wow. We solved three crises with, I, with this is great. People said we couldn't do it. The NBA Hall of Famer, going back here to Dennis Rodman, he told the Daily News that if Kim visits the United States, he hopes to bring he hopes to bring the North Korean dictator to see the Knicks and meet their leader. 
This is according to Madison. This is according to Dennis Rodman. He says the first thing he wants to do is go to a Knicks game. This is referring to Kim Jong Un. He wants to go to Madison Square Garden. So there we go. Take him down there to Penn uh, Penn Station. You can eat at a place called Ruby's, which I used to go to when I was dead broke because there's two dollars and seventy five cents for a forty ounce Bud Light. And there were cockroaches on the wall, and most of the patrons were uh, individuals without homes. But I had a great time there chit-chatting with folks. Don't use the bathroom. My God. I mean, that was that was just something else there. It was made like a, a Greyhound bus made it look like uh, made it look like Donald Trump's bathroom there, the one he has at the tower that with the gold toilet, which, of course, is gaudy and ridiculous and extremely stupid. First thing that should be uh, burnt down. First thing he's going to melt down, if it all falls apart economically, I do love the image of Donald Trump having to melt down his gold, to- gold toilet and uh, try to sell it for some cash. Cash for gold. Here's a toilet. And I don't think they've ever received one of those before. It's mostly trinkets and things like that. Dennis Rodman went on to say, if you want to go to a Knicks game and meet Dolan, you can go meet him. Only if James Dolan isn't playing in his band because he loves his little metal. His little, it's like classic rock. His, have you heard the James Dolan no. band? It's the worst thing that's ever happened to music. And uh, there are a lot of bad things that have happened to music over the years. Crowley, the the person that Ocasio... Uh, yeah, well, let's get into that, but go on. He, uh, he he sang Born to Run in honor of, of her win at a bar in, oh, uh, really? in Queens. Yeah. Well, that's good. So he handled it like a champ. Yeah. Well, that's good. He had a 10-term run. Yeah, I think My he's good. My God, I'm such an advocate for term limits because 10 terms... That is uh, absolutely insane. She was outspent by a massive margin, a real grassroots campaign. So I got to say, it was, uh, I mean, I don't even care. I'm not going to agree with everybody's politics on, uh, never. So it's nice to see someone come up and unseat a establishment character, get him out of there. Of course, Joe Crowley, strangely enough, was um, maligned by Donald Trump. And by the way, this was not even close. I think it was 57-42 in favor of uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It was a blowout. Yeah. And she was way outspent. And somehow Donald Trump spun this to make himself (laughs) the winner, uh, even though I have a feeling that he and this 28-year-old Democratic Socialist probably don't match up on too much stuff. But this is a tweet coming from Donald Trump. And I only get my tweets from uh, from articles now, of oh, course, because yeah, I'm still yeah, not on Twitter. Yeah. It's been three weeks, I guess, and I haven't missed it one bit. I mean, honestly, just Donald Trump ruined it. As yeah. soon, it's just full of your parents, so it's no longer relevant. And it's no longer fun. Everyone is just tearing each other down, and it's all because it's a reflection of Donald Trump's Twitter Twitter feed. So I just said, enough is enough. Well, let me know if you need me to smuggle some tweets across the border for you. Yes, I will let you know. This is according to Donald Trump's Twitter feed. Wow, big Trump hater Congressman (laughs) Joe Crowley, who many expected was going to take Nancy Pelosi's place, just lost his primary election. In other words, he's out. We got it. We don't need it in other words. We understand that. Uh, In other words, he's out. That is a big one that nobody saw coming, that no one saw happening. Perhaps he should have been nicer and more respectful to his president. Damn. There Um, it is. So Joe Crowley, 
Um, he lost a Democratic primary because he wasn't nice enough to Donald <laughs> Trump. The the amount of stupidity in that tweet is just like I don't like what is why why would you think that that would help this guy win a Democratic primary? It makes no sense. It wasn't because the district was fifty percent immigrants that looked nothing like Joe Crowley. No, and, it couldn't have been that, or perhaps the fact that we are again really in. Uh, dire straits when it comes to what's happening on our southern border with our immigration system uh, in this country. No one seems to be getting it right across the board. So Congressman Joe Crowley, now he was a powerful head of the Queen's Democratic machine. He lost his bid for re-election Tuesday night. This is being called one of the biggest upsets so far of the in the primary season. Ocasio-Cortez held a 15% lead over the 10-term incumbent earlier this morning, that's Wednesday morning, at a victory celebration in the Bronx, where part of the congressional district is located, Ocasio-Cortez told supporters, quote, I think what tonight was about was the power of knocking on your neighbor's door, talking to your neighbor, authentic grassroots organizing, and taking the stand of rejecting corporate money is a viable position in American politics. It's the first time since 1992 that a Democratic member of Congress from New York City has lost a primary election. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, she was endorsed by the New York Democratic Socialists of America and recently told Vogue magazine she was a member of the group because, quote, when we talk about the word socialism, I think what it really means is just democratic participation in our economic dignity and our economic, social, and racial dignity. President Trump again said that he crowed about Crowley's uh, defeat. So it seems to me like we are seeing Again, the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party winning in primaries that make sense for them. Also, Ben Jealous, he was the former head of the NAACP. He prevailed in the Democratic gubernatorial primary in Maryland, which also highlighted the differing approaches battling for supremacy in the party. Jealous, of course, as I just said, a former NAACP president who was endorsed not only by Bernie Sanders, but also by New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and other progressive figures, defeated Prince George's County Executive Rashern Baker, who had wrapped up the support of much of the state's political establishment, such as Senator Chris Van Hollen and Houseman Minority Whip Steny Hoyer. So uh, big wins for the more progressive people in the Democratic Party, which is something that we do have to pay um, significant attention to going forward into 2020. And again, as I have said in the past, I would like to see 20 uh, Democrats up there. I want to see, I mean, if Bernie wants to do it again, okay, go do it. Kamala Harris, Mark Cuban has said he wants to do it. Uh, this guy, Jeff Bezos, has said that he wants to do it. He's a supervillain. Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of people that can be involved in the Democratic process. I do think we might see something happening uh, as far as a primary against Donald Trump. Will that go anywhere? Most likely not, because a lot of these politicians, as we've seen throughout this primary process, that have dissed Donald Trump for one thing or another, they've lost. Look at Mark Sanford, of course, out of South Carolina. A big exception to that is Mitt Romney out of Utah. He won the primaries. I think he got 71%, something like that. It was a pretty big win, which basically means that he is the next senator uh, for that state. Uh, of course, Utah, extremely conservative, a very red state. And Mitt Romney, that's, that's his kind of conservatism as well. Well, obviously, religious conservatism, 
uh, different than Donald Trump's version of conservatism. And to some degree, Mitt Romney has stood up against Donald Trump in certain ways. But then, of course, when push comes to shove, the man wants to be a senator. He will be a senator now. And he has changed his tune a little bit when it comes to Donald Trump, of course, tweeting his appreciation to the president and saying other things about the administration that were far more positive, of course, more positive than what he had to say in 2016 when he accurately called Donald Trump a con man for Trump University and a whole series of other things. Mitt Romney was in the Trump doghouse for quite a while, uh, but has obviously since uh, made made amends with the man to some degree and was able to uh, secure but, the nomination uh, in Utah. Speaking of going forward with uh, politicians in like November and, and, and past that, I think there's one issue that on the Democratic side mm-hmm. that is splitting the party in twain what would you say that would be abolishing ice abolishing ice kamala harris has actually stepped away from it bernie sanders said he would not uh and then you have somebody like uh ocasio cortez who says let's abolish ice let's demilitarize uh these uh immigration yeah uh uh agencies well, now we have the situation with ICE. And by the way, we've got some breaking news here. I'll, I'll tell that in one second. Uh, when it comes to ICE, um, it's a role that definitely needs to be diminished. It was never supposed to be the strong arm of, uh, of the administration when it comes to their immigration policy. The way that ICE is being used right now is very unique. Uh, back in the unique. day, uh, and not that far uh, back in the day, uh, when, of course, we had Barack Obama, who everyone's like, Obama was deporter in chief. And as I've said multiple times, I know, I got it. It wasn't good then. And it's certainly worse now because Obama was... Uh, deporting mostly people who were felons, uh, people who uh, committed crimes, uh, gang members. And now that has been switched over to anyone uh, that is undocumented in this country. And, of course, we have the heightened rhetoric calling them vermin, saying it's an infestation, really dangerous, dangerous rhetoric coming from this administration. Whenever you dehumanize people like that, uh, it really leads down a negative path, as I talked about on the last episode when I read the first provision of the executive order that theoretically ended child separation at the border, where Donald Trump solely refers to these human beings as aliens. Uh, Aliens, aliens, aliens. How could we even think of them as people i heard they're aliens so that is really a dangerous situation we're playing with fire here when we had the the leader of ice uh, the head of ice he was just on tucker carlson's show of course out of fox news and he was talking about these comparisons and i kind of made a nazi comparison on the last episode because it's the closest thing that i've seen you know, to yeah. really a, a warranting a comparison like that. And again, that's a very extreme comparison. And we want to be smart about that because, uh, you know, you don't want to be hyperbolic. You know, people back in the day, I remember people saying that about Mitt Romney in 2012. And by that, by today's standards, you know, uh, Mitt Romney certainly uh, didn't deserve to be called a Nazi. Yeah, you're uh, because now a, we have elected someone who said there's good people on both sides. But you're just making when a one of those people are Nazis. You're just making a practical comparison though at this in, point. In this, in, in, in when this it comes case, to this, yeah, yeah. you know, with with the leader of ICE, he's out there, he's talking about like, do you think it's constitutional? Do you think it's right? Uh, what do you think about these Nazi comparisons? And then he says, we're just following orders, which it's just like, <laughs> oh can't. no, no, that's not the answer. It's the same thing as when they're like, they would lie to the kids or lie to the parents and say, we're going to go give your kids a bath and now they're just following orders. And now we have 
people indefinitely uh, in, in, with indefinite, uh, you know, detention. And now we have kids being like, what the hell's going on here? Well, man, you're reading um, the script for the Schindler's List movie that you're making. These days, you can practically get everything on demand. Like our podcast, you can save hearing Marcus and me talk about the week's news until it's convenient for you. So why are you still moseying over to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all the fantastic services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. You already know how much we here at LPN love Stamps.com. When running a small business like we do, being able to trust getting merchandise and important letters out as quickly and conveniently as possible just makes life easier. If you've got stuff to mail, ship, or send, I recommend Stamps.com. Right now, use Top Hat for this special offer. Includes up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Top Hat. That's Stamps.com. Enter Top Hat. It's ridiculous. But no, it's... Yeah, exactly. And I just... My heart goes out to... uh, to a, a lot of the people out there, specifically in the immigrant community, coming from an immigrant father, I understand. Uh, my father's a German immigrant, not the ones who are being targeted. Uh, there's roughly 400 to 500,000 uh, European undocumented immigrants in this country, but you don't hear about them. Oh, no. And they're really not on the chopping block. Although I, I do know someone who was here recently from Ireland, his visa had expired, which is the majority of people who are here undocumented or so-called illegally is because their visas expire. And it was a point of stress. And obviously uh, it was something that he was attempting to work on. But when you talk about the rhetoric, when you talk about the infestation, when we talk about immigration in the context of uh, the labor force and just uh, what it means to us culturally when it comes to Spanish versus English, speak English, it's America. You know, when it comes to all of those things, they're not talking or targeting European immigrants. That's just the reality. But um, so, I'm, yes, I, I so I under, that, and that to me shouldn't even be that divisive. I feel like that's a political winner. Perhaps the word abolishing ICE isn't uh, the proper term, but diminishing their role and refocusing ICE. They'll do anything, as we've seen. So I think they have to have a more targeted approach to individuals who need to be detained and potentially deported by that wing of law enforcement. I feel like if you're a Democrat or you're a Democratic politician and you don't take that hardline stance, you should be prepared to lose. Hey, man. I mean, it's it, you know, it's a, you don't want to be held captive by the extremes either, you know, because in a general, it is totally different. We just had a, uh, a congresswoman out of Iowa, much more moderate Democrat. She was able to win because she was in an Iowa district that that is purple. You know, and oftentimes red. So you got to be careful um, to not just run broad candidates all over the country because Democrats are just as diverse in uh, an electorate as anybody else, if not more diverse. So when it comes to the national Democrat, whoever is ended, uh, whoever is on that stage in 2020, I do hope we see a smattering of all these. That's a great debate. Abolishing ice, keeping ice, how to, what to do I think with just, ice. That's a wonderful debate that I would love to hear in 2020 from the candidates. There's just been such candidates. a strong reaction to this issue. Yeah. Oh my God. That and and the image is coming out and the stories oh, and it's if, the if audio. Not, I mean, you just 
you I think you can say like let's get rid of this this part. Yeah. I mean, I, and then, if and then you, you don't have do, a reaction to to uh, to that stuff, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, maybe you're already uh, maybe the singularity has already taken over and you're half a robot or something. But this is the breaking news. Uh, as we mentioned earlier on the show, I said uh, perhaps uh, Clarence Thomas might retire, perhaps swing uh, justice Anthony Kennedy might retire. And of course, today is the last day of the session. This is sort of historically, it's not by law or anything, but usually this is when uh, they decide to retire or not to retire. And Justice Anthony Kennedy has chose to retire. So this has really long-lasting implications to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump will get another justice. I mean, wow, this is this is big news here, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to basically make the court conservative for the upcoming decades. Uh, Gorsuch is going to be around for quite a while. Clarence Thomas, perhaps the next one to go if he does end up retiring uh, while a Republican is in office. Uh, who knows what happens there? So now we have a situation where one of the more rational, moderate voices, sometimes left, sometimes right, but always reasonable, uh, regardless if you agree with some of the decisions or not, Justice Kennedy, considered the voice of reason on the Supreme Court, is officially going to retire. So this has really long-lasting impact. We talk about presidencies in finite terms, four to possibly eight years, but this really is where the president has most of their historical power. And so now we're going to see, as we saw with so many of these five five to four decisions, five to four decisions, um, we're going to start seeing maybe six to threes, uh, seven to twos. I mean, who knows? Uh, the gap is definitely going to widen, and I think it is unfortunate now that we are in a strong, strongly conservative Supreme Court, really, for the upcoming future. I mean, are we looking at a Baron Trump as uh, one of the Supreme Court judges? <laughs> uh, the expert on the on the, the panel? You know what? Maybe. Maybe, maybe we need Baron Trump in there. Um, going back just briefly, let's stick with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled by a 5-4 to four vote yesterday to uphold Donald Trump's travel ban, rejecting arguments that it was prompted by discrimination against Muslims or went beyond the commander-in-chief's authority. Trump, of course, quickly praised the ruling as a resounding win for one of his... For one of his administration's top priorities, this is what he had to say. He said, today's Supreme Court ruling is a tremendous victory for the American people and for the Constitution. Of course, the seven states, seven countries that are on there, it does include North Korea. And it's actually kind of interesting that they are still included, you know, given the fact that Donald Trump believes Kim Jong-un is just a wonderful man who treats his people perfectly. So the, the countries, and as you've heard me on this show before, by the way, I mean, I like if... The, the only reason that this ban was even controversial was because of Donald Trump, because he called it a Muslim ban because he's a freaking moron. These aren't even uh, these are majority Muslim countries, but these aren't the countries that have the most amount of Muslims in them. He is just so stupid that he calls it a Muslim ban. And then everyone's like, well, that's unconstitutional, naturally, because it is you can't have a, a, a religious test for these things. Nonetheless, it is allowed to stay in place. Venezuela, Libya, Syria, Iran, Yemen, Somalia, and North Korea, the administration's travel ban, uh, is upheld in a 5-4 to four decision. And it's only going to get easier for the White House to keep their policies within the realm of constitutionality, at least, by the, at least in the eyes of the Supreme Court. Now, again, as Justice Kennedy goes uh, out to pasture... And uh, who knows who he is going to be replaced by. Definitely going to be someone that the religious right likes and certainly someone 
um, that will uh, uphold their socially conservative values. I think Gorsuch was the more mainstream option to go with. Obviously, again, Merrick would have been totally fine. Absolutely a fine Supreme Court justice, but solely for political gamemanship. Gamesmanship, he was not allowed to even get a vote. But now we have a situation where Donald Trump gave him Gorsuch. Mitch McConnell had a picture of him shaking Gorsuch's hand Mm -hmm. the other day on Twitter. And now I won't be surprised if Donald Trump pays it forward when it comes to repaying the evangelical community, the wealthy evangelical community, the political evangelical community, repaying them with a Supreme Court choice that they find to be acceptable and in alignment with their socially uh, conservative values. And again, I'm not maligning actual Christians. I, I come from an evangelical home, and I know these these people who are evangelical and they just see religion as a way to make money. These people are not uh, the Christians that we need to be emulating, and those individuals, in my personal opinion, uh, don't actually represent the more moderate, compassionate words of Jesus Christ, the uh, the without a doubt th- person that lived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there it is. Big man. Uh, big man. Hey, big, big guy. <laughs> That's what they called him. Can't wait to get Big some guy more. on the cross. God, can't wait. Every time you talk to industry people, they're big guy. <laughs> big man. We were just in L.A. I got a lot of big mans. Love it. You know, it's it's accurate. Well, at least you don't get like sport or champ. All or, uh... right. Well, let's talk briefly here about what happened with Sarah Huckabee Sanders over the weekend. She was dining with her family, and she was run out of the run out of the restaurant. And then her family had to go uh, dine elsewhere. Evidently, she was with quite a large uh, extended family, some of whom are liberal, some of whom are conservative, some of wh- but- whom were also quite large. I'm sure. I mean, come on now. It's the Hucks. I, you got to love the Huckabees. That's the thing I like about them. I like Mike Huckabee. Those family photos. They're the best family photos of all time. You don't malign people for their physical appearance, Travis. That's uh, not right to do. Look at this photo. and, and No, I, I remember the one with the red shirts and the khaki pants, and they all look like ghoulish, copies of each other. The ghoulish smiles. They were having fun. They were on the yard. They were, they were, they were looking at different kinds of uh, pools. The dog, things. the dog looking with like a thousand-yard stare. Who holds <laughs> Too many Dude, that's se- a hell of a house to be a dog in. Though. Brain is broken with the secrets of this family. Well, you know, we don't. I don't necessarily want to have the brain of the dog or the memories of the dog because I'm sure he's seen some things that he didn't want to see. Uh, specifically, the fact that they have three children together. But um, that was a nice family photo, though. And then Mike Huckabee, he did lose some weight, but now he's gained that back. And that's the most fun thing to do. As someone who lost 160 <laughs> pounds, I've gained back around 60 pounds. Man, that uptick. That's a good time. You're coming back in hot. Um, but nonetheless. She was uh, she was booted by the owner of the restaurant, and then evidently they kind of followed them across the street. A lot of her family and were kind of taunting them through the window and stuff like that. But you know, it is first of all, I think we have to always stress civility and never violence and all that stuff. And I think that's all great. No violence was had, um, but you know, going back to that Supreme Court decision with the I believe it's the Masterpiece Cake Shop. That's what now. Again, this was a very narrow decision. Um, that the Supreme Court, uh, that, that's why they ruled it seven to two, is very, very narrow uh, when it comes in uh, coming in, coming out in support of the cake shop. But you know, a lot of people saw that as like, okay, 
if that's the kind of world that you want to live in, then let's just do that. And so I don't want conservatives in my restaurants. And as someone who is pro-business and and, uh, and I want people to make their own decisions and have the right to do so, if you don't want someone in your restaurant, I guess you can just tell them to go. And that's sort of where we are right now as a country. And it's because Donald Trump has done zero zero to try to bridge the divide. Uh, he, As a matter of fact, he consistently creates more divisions because he finds that to be a uh, productive political strategy. And to some degree, he's right, but it's unfortunate to see people just buying it hook, line, and sinker. You know, when it comes to uh, the right talking about how the left is unhinged, all this kind of nonsense, um, it is really just a reaction to what their feeling regarding Donald Trump's complete lack of desire to have any outreach whatsoever to the people that may not have supported him in the general election. Because, of course, there were millions and millions of people who did not. So it is, uh, it's a reflection. And it, I think it's coming home to roost a little bit for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for members of the administration as a whole. And I'm not, again, I would never advocate. I mean, just be polite. That's what I try to do every time I go into Fox News. I see someone who I'm like, that's, you know, one of the a war criminal. You know, when I saw Carl Rove, by the way, I think I've told this story before. I saw Carl Rove. He was walking out of News Corps. He knocked over a, a bike, a delivery person's bike, and then he couldn't pick it up. Because he's so weak, he tried to pick up this delivery person's bike as that person went to probably give Sean Hannity some Quino or something, and he could not do it because he was such a weak little schlub. And I'm like, this is the man who masterminded one of the worst wars in American history, a.k.a. the invasion invasion of Iraq. So... I understand being angry with these people, and I get that, but I do think we have to be uh, sensitive. But then again, this is also the world uh, that has been created in part, in large part, by this administration. So I suppose it shouldn't be so much of a surprise when we have these staffers who work for Donald Trump in D.C. When they go out, they have to lie. It's like they live two different lives. I was reading an article. I think it might have been The New Yorker. And they literally cannot tell anyone that they work for Donald Trump. And if they're on a date, uh, God forbid they mention that. Yes. They always say that they have to get like the person to really like them, yes. to think they're not a horrible person. And then they're like, by the way, I work for Donald Trump. But, uh, and then like, hopefully that doesn't just totally sway and knock over the car like Fred Flintstone and went to get the ribs in the beginning of the Flintstones. Hopefully that doesn't just totally screw up everything but you know that's unique to this administration and to these times staffers of the white house have effectively become incels because of their relationship to the white house and you know they just grew up they wanted to be in the white house and they was supposed to be good and back in the day you know with with bush or trump or clinton or reagan whoever carter you know there was a little bit of carte blanche that went with working in the white house i mean no matter who it was and now it is like you know what? Don't mention it. It's like a, you have they go to like secret bars. Well, apparently the, one of the few places where they really feel at home is naturally Trump Hotel. They just go to that bar. You imagine that just being in D.C. and like only feeling safe at the Trump Hotel bar. Well, that's a nightmare. Ben, what is the number one reason you work for the White House to get laid? Uh huh. And now they've they've completely they fucked themselves that. by uh, by working for a fucking despot. Yeah. Well, you know. Worst things are happening to people on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, I, I just wanted to say that's basically all I had to say about that. I, I, I do wish that we had a little bit more, um, you know, civil discourse in the country. But again, 
Well, everything it, I, is a reflection of a Donald. Ref- but think- you know what? Remember that though, because that's also important to remember. Like Donald Trump doesn't mind. Like he likes being a pig and shit. Like he is at home. You know, he is at home. If everyone's just screaming at each other, saying horrible things, it really validates his entire worldview. And we're all just living in his projection of reality right now. And we do have to be careful to remember that and not just become the people that we hate, which in many cases are individuals making decisions in D.C. right now. Trump wants the country covered in that ooze from Ghostbusters 2 Mm. that reacts to hatred. He just wants us covered in it. He does. And and it's it's working. So, again. But I don't think... I personally, not Ben Kessel, I think there's nothing wrong with holding these people accountable that no. lie to our faces no. every single fucking day. Absolutely. And, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know. Even if it is yelling at them over there like, well, I don't know, we talked about this chicken at the, dinner. Yeah, we talked about this in the last show too. Kirsten Nielsen, of course, uh, she was at a Mexican restaurant and people, uh, you know, got mad at her. Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's wife today was like, leave my husband alone, you know, because everyone. <laughs> but, you know, it's that's nothing new. Um, politicians need to understand the will of the people, and the idea of people protesting politicians is nothing new. None of these people are of being fact, violent. Well, you want to be careful. Not, not in those situations. They were not. I mean, back in the day, people were like tarring and feathering people. <laughs> like it's still, it's not as like you know. There was like we had, like Hamilton was involved in like duels. You know, <laughs> like it's not as bad um, in some ways. But uh, yeah, I, I it's just I think now. The amount of time that's gone past, now we've been in this for, what, 18 months, uh, this Trump administration, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, the the anger is, is so palpable. And uh, I think, again, that's why my prediction for the midterms, I, I could see the Democrats getting back, uh, getting over 23 House seats. I could see that happening. Uh, evidently, by the way, the House, they haven't come up with anything yet. It hasn't passed, and I don't think it will. But the House is working on a bipartisan immigration bill. But they, they tried to pass two uh, last week, and uh, they went absolutely nowhere because our Congress is completely dysfunctional. Uh, seems more dysfunctional now uh, in an election year, which seems like it's a constant uh, theme within Washington. Folks just constantly trying to protect their seats, which I, which I know is not necessarily that shocking but anyway so a little bit let's just try to be as civil as possible and just don't physically hurt anyone but of course the ballot box is where you can really let yourself uh be heard and we saw a lot of interesting developments and we've seen this now this is these these primaries have been very fascinating uh again the democratic party is showing that it has both uh, establishment, more mainstream people, like a Doug Jones out of Alabama, for example. And now we have the situation uh, here in New York City where Crowley is out because of uh, Ocasio. So a lot of interesting things happening, and we will continue to follow them uh, to the best of our abilities. And I hope that you enjoyed the show. I think it was a fun show. I mean, it was interesting. Yeah. Don't you're smelling your candle there? Smell, you want to smell the good luck candle? No, I don't, I, well, I'll smell it. It smells great. Does it? Ugh, I don't, ugh, well, is it... Huh, look at that. Well, all right. We Very might, nice. We might need this for our flight tomorrow, actually. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Find me on Instagram at BenKissel1. I don't know. I might get back on Twitter. I'm not really sure. Um, just seems like it's so mean. It is. You know? Anyway, hail yourselves. Love you all. Talk to you soon.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. It's time to stop making excuses. The peace of mind you get after a colonoscopy is worth it. It's the best way to prevent and detect one of the deadliest cancers. In fact, your doctor can remove precancerous polyps during the procedure if necessary. That's right, before it even turns to cancer. No buts about it. Get a colonoscopy at 45 and follow up every 10 years or as recommended by your doctor. Find a location or schedule now at avera.org colon.